you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets in the car, while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Play action. Mariota going for the big ball. Got a man open. He's got the touchdown. Kendall Wright. Here's a first down handoff to oh. Murray. He breaks free. Look at Mariota trying to lead him to the end zone. And he dives for the pylon and he's got it. Mariota. Got an open man, he's got a touchdown. Second touchdown toss of the night for Mariota. Oh, what a night for Marcus Mariota. Christopher Wesseling's boy lighting it up on Thursday night football. 36-22 win for the Titans over the Jaguars, and it wasn't nearly as close as the score indicates. I'm Greg Rosenthal. Again, with Chris Wesseling, and we're going to get to Dan Handis, Mark Sessler, and preview all the Week 8 games in just a minute. We hope, Chris, that those games are better than this stinker. This will end up being possibly the most misleading box score I have ever seen. Yeah. Blake Bortles will have 337 yards and three touchdowns without an interception. It's going to look like he played well. Fantasy, if you started Blake Bortles... You're happy, and yet at halftime, uh, if you didn't watch this game, 27 to nothing for the Titans. The Titans had 22 first downs in the or 20 first downs in the first half. The Jaguars had 22 plays. So this was a good old-fashioned whooping by the Titans, who have a lot of good things going for them right now. Well, they have an offensive line that doesn't get nearly the publicity of Dallas's. But, but has been every bit as dominant this year. DeMarco Murray's on pace for almost 2,000 yards from scrimmage. His numbers look a lot like his 2014 Offensive Player of the Year numbers. Delaney Walker's still a very good tight end. And I don't think it's any coincidence that Mariota's numbers have picked up when Kendall Wright came back, who is, you know, he's not a great receiver, but he's far and away the Titans' best receiver. He's a good receiver. I mean, he's had points in his career – where he looked like a quality, top-level type of starter, and they just don't have anyone else like that. Matthews, Richard Matthews, is an okay 
uh, rotation type of guy. The defense showed something. I mean, the defense, I know Blake Bortles is struggling, but the defense dominated the game when they needed to. And we've seen signs of life in their defense for the past month. Brian Harakbo has been really good. Carl Klug has been good. Uh, and I think that Jarrell Casey is still kind of that all-pro, borderline all-pro kind of guy. They've got some talent on the defense. You think they might be playing in uh, January. I've been saying that. I think the Titans and the Colts are the two best teams. But the Titans, if if Mariota has been one of their bigger problems so far, I think that's going to change. You know, that that to me is a team with upside because he's already see... showing that that he's getting better. Yeah, he's progressing throughout the season, which is not to be unexpected. Mark has said this from the beginning. Give him some time with a new system and new players around him, and he's getting better by the week. That's promising, as opposed to Blake Bortles, who is regressing to a degree that we haven't seen in a long time. He set records for Jacksonville last year, franchise records, second most touchdowns in the NFL, and in a franchise that had Mark Brunel. He is holding this team hostage right now. I know the offensive line isn't pushing people around. The running backs aren't breaking tackles. Allen Robinson is dropping passes. But it all starts with Blake Bortles and the delivery that gets longer every week. And he admitted to Phil Sims, I don't know where it started or how it started, but my delivery's gotten longer. And it all starts there. They have. To, I think they have to bench this guy. I do too. I think there's times when you can see a quarterback, young quarterback like Bortles, where his head is swimming so much that he's so out of it. Every game he starts out two for eight for 11 yards with an interception. This is four straight weeks, basically, where he's had three quarters of play in a game where they he was just inoperable. And it just – I feel like he might – do he might benefit from a couple weeks just on the sideline, then you bring him back in for December. This team's going nowhere. Yeah, they have to sit him down and fix that delivery. And it's it's extended to a mental thing, too. You'll see a wide receiver wide open, and he'll stare down the receiver and throw it straight into the dirt from 10 yards away. And guys, guys with deliveries that are fine don't do that. Guys who don't have it in their head don't do that. This guy is holding the team hostage. Well, the Jaguars... They're out of it at 2-5. and five. I know that's a bad division, but to me, they're the one team I don't think has a chance. Shad Khan, their owner after the game, said actions speak louder than words. I don't have much to say. I don't know if that was a uh, precursor to Gus Bradley possibly losing his job during the bye week. I tend to think uh, Bradley will keep his job. Well, I don't think that Shad Khan's going to like hearing things like Deion Sanders at halftime saying this team tonight has quit. The offense has been an issue all year. The defense tonight decided they didn't feel like tackling. There wasn't much of an effort going into tackling DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry and uh, Delaney Walker on at least one play. So I don't think they can be happy with the effort level. There were three personal fouls in the first half. Jalen Ramsey continues to look like a hothead. I think there are issues that go beyond Blake Bortles here. Yeah, they've been protected a little bit uh, by a media that, that they're friendly with and has been wanting this team to be good. I've wanted this team to be good. Well, look, at, It's obviously of, not working. Think of their fans who have been sold a five-year rebuilding effort, and they keep, yeah. they keep hearing hype all offseason and all summer, and then by October the Jaguars are out of it every year. Well, that, that's it for the Jaguars being out of it, but you know who's in it? Dan Hansis, Mark Sessler, and uh, a whole lot of good games. Best slate of the year in Week 8. Let's go to Dan to preview it. The Around the NFL Podcast. And Mark's here, too. (laughs) 
Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled, filled teeming with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Mark. Yeah. You're back. I'm back. Many people were nervous. When I was, was nervous. Mark going to return? Uh, you, were, you were essentially out a week of work. But you came back, and I was happy to see. I didn't know what state you'd be in. I didn't know if you'd be wheeled in on a gurney, uh, if you would be a, a drooling vegetable. I had no idea what kind of Mark would show up. But you look just like Mark, and I'm happy to see it. Well, I waited until I could reappear in you know somewhat <laughs> tangible state. I was a little bit of a mess for a couple of days, but thank you to the people that uh, tweeted at me and, and wrote, and I appreciate that. And- you didn't like the people that were connecting your diet to this. You got a lot of tweets. I got a lot of tweets. Out of respect to you, I didn't I didn't pile on at all. I stayed at it. No, you. All three of you did an excellent job of, of non piling <laughs> on. I, I I it it was a weird medical thing that popped up. I've not been to a doctor since 1997 before last <laughs> week, which might have contributed to it. But the Clinton presidency. Yeah, basically. Yeah. You know, and uh, the first Clinton the bill. presidency. Yeah. But it, we have listeners who weren't even born yet. Huh? We have listeners who weren't even born yet. In I know. Well, I wish I were their age. But it had nothing to do with <laughs> a dietary issue. It was, a, it was a blood issue. And they said, otherwise, I'm extremely healthy and should be able to uh, – remain in the NFL media group for at least a couple more months until we're all <laughs> sent out of here at yeah. some point. Oh, I thought you meant you were going to die. No, we'll all be fired at some no, point. No, you heard that right. Mark Cecil will never die. That would be boring. Uh, this <laughs> is the Thursday edition of the Around the NFL podcast, sponsored by Mr. Flame's economic class in The Hague, in the Netherlands. Mr. F. What you heard at the top of the show was the uh, – the tilt between the Jaguars and Titans, the scientists broke down that game. Uh, but there's so much more to talk about, but a little less than usual. So for the first uh, of the next two weeks, six teams on bye. Uh, so, you know, 32 teams, six teams on bye, 26 teams, 13 games, one already played, 12 to talk about. Mm. See, that's pretty good, actually. By you. Yeah. You nailed yeah, it. You we're going back to what is essentially 1972. I mean, we're, let's maybe the NFL should rip six or seven or eight teams out of the league with the quality of the He was talking about seen. his math skills. Good math. Frankly, it sounded rehearsed. I feel like you added <laughs> – you, you did the math before you came in here. Yes, you did. Oh, <laughs> no. What do you mean, oh, no? That's Dan is showing us his – Show notes. your work. He basically has crib notes written he on had his to, hand. He had to divide 26 <laughs> by 2 ahead of time. He, uh, it's called clean broadcasting by our host. I nailed it. You should try being a pro, okay, Greg? Um, yeah, so we have a lot of stuff to get to, and we got Mark back in the house, and we got Wessling's new wardrobe is just popping, mm. and everybody could check out on YouTube. It's just a basic hoodie. And all other uh, methods of, of viewing the show, the preview podcast, which is chopped up uh, in chopped up form. Where Where can people see – the preview pod. You, fine. YouTube. Not fine, I believe it's on uh, Apple TV. You know, previews and whatnot. You can find it. NFL Now, if that's your fancy. Really? Wes has a collection now of fitted cashmere hooded sweatshirts. And everyone is really enamored by them. Well, he went, he went, out, to that, he went out to the outlet shopping with his lady The friend. old GF. She, she picked out some stuff. Can I have some equal time here? Well, yeah, but I will just say last time at the bar when you the oh. that coming off your shopping day, you had a fitted. And I mean, we're showing the pecs, the buys, the tries, and Wes has a good body. Uh, and he had the tight purple cashmere hooded uh, sweater. Purple. 
And and Mark, you were obsessed. Well, I think it was more of a burgundy color. It was burgundy. This one is a sort of a dirty snow uh, makeup. I love it. <laughs> but the burgundy one at the mm. cozy inn that night, forget about it. Wes mm. just looked like a man shot out of a man cannon. All right, Wes, you you got your chance now. None of these uh, hoodies is cashmere. First of all, <laughs> <laughs> second of all, they're not fitted. They're just large hoodies, and that's the way my body is. Medium hoodies. They're not medium. They're, they're all large. They're sized down a little bit. You're, you're. That's what happens when you get a girlfriend or a yeah. wife. You start wearing appropriate sizes. That's a, that's a thing that. Well, then you, on, then you just on. stop exercising once you get a wife entirely, <laughs> and the clothing doesn't matter at all. So plaids out for Wes, basically, and no, is I mean highly expensive. How much did you spend in that shopping trip? Be honest. Well, did you spend over three hundred dollars? No, it, they were of. Lesser quality than I normally. This really makes Wes uncomfortable even before the pod. Uh, by does. the way, here's where you can watch his uh, hoodie. Yeah. On the old NFL Network because uh, he was in this hoodie for our NFL Network podcast pick'em show. They might no, change the name. They, they might the change name. the name by Saturday. But either way, check it out. DVR it. Pick, watch it. It is on three three times on Saturday, a show that is, and we should have talked about this last week, but it is the Around the NFL podcast, Move the Sticks, and the Dave Damshek football program all together, breaking down every game. Uh, so, yes, make sure you check it out. Check your DVR uh, or the uh, the listing. I don't know exactly Just what it's on. It's like 12.30 p.m. right after noon Eastern time, 1.30 a.m. Eastern time, and there's also there's a also morning a, There's show. also in Saturday morning, but you just – Season pass it. You don't even have to watch it. You get credit Smart. if you season pass it. Smart. Girl. That's, that's how you do it. All right. I like the way you look, Wes. I don't want you to be uncomfortable. I'm not. The paramour does want me to get rid of the plaid, but uh, the, you cannot kill my plaid. I w- yeah, the plaid's going to come back. Oh, yeah. It's always coming back. It's a staple. All right. Let's get uh, to the rest of the week eight games and let us start, gentlemen. Uh, with the latest trip to London. One more game in London this season. This one between the Washington Redskins and Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, and this is a good matchup. London doesn't always get the greatest matchups. Let's, score some, let's score some points in this game, Redskins and Bengals. Yeah. Not uh, punts. Yeah. How about this? How about this? A nice, taut, 30 to 27 game mark that'd be nice this could be the game that could give you that I think that these are two intriguing offenses that are not fully formed necessarily at this point in the season and my question with Cincinnati is I look at what they did last week against Cleveland you ran for 271 yards against the worst defense in the league and I don't think anyone in this room is overrating that against the opponent but you did find your ground game and it is not an offense for the first week in a while that is essentially centered around AJ Green and nothing alone which looked more like 2014 and 2013 this offense for parts of the season and with the Redskins They have an ability to score points as well. Their offense, to me, really centers around, if you want to go back two weeks ago, the way they played the Eagles, if you can punish with your ground game the way they did against Philadelphia, everything else starts to look better. Kirk Cousins does not make the mistakes. It opens up your passing game. Now, last week, they could not run that way, and they turned the ball over on the ground, and then you get into trouble. And so which Redskins team are we going to see? That's a big question for me. I think the Bengals would invite the Redskins to run the ball, and Matt Jones fumbled twice last week and was involved in another botched exchange yeah. with Kirk Cousins. He might not play and in he's this banged game up. either. He's banged up, and Rob Kelly, I know he's your two-lane boy, Greg, but not the strongest runner in the world. I, I think the Bengals would definitely invite the Redskins. I like Kelly, though. 
This he's is a big guy. Not going to make you miss or anything. But but I agree with you. And, and Matt Jones being hurt, if he's out, I, that that's going to hurt them significantly. This is how bad the Matt Jones issue is with the ball security, which was an issue last year as well. But he's fumbling once every 33 carries in 2016. The league average is once per 100. Mm. Uh, so you get the feeling he's fumbled three times this year that he doesn't have too many left before he loses his role in this offense. And it tells you what they think about the rest of their backfield when they keep putting him back in games. He'll he'll sit for a couple series, uh, and then Matt talented. Jones is back in he's there. He's played well. When he's not fumbling yeah. the ball, he's playing well, and that makes it even tougher to take him out of the lineup. These two quarterbacks are similar in some ways. I think when Kirk Cousins was playing well last year, a lot of people thought, okay, maybe he's going to be the next Andy Dalton. The, you know, not the most talented guy in the world, but Jay Gruden coach up. Andy Dalton is a far superior player to Kirk Cousins. Cousins playing a little better the last few weeks, but Dalton has really impressed me. He played fantastic against the Patriots. Uh, I think his season's been underrated. He's playing just as well as he did a year ago. He is doing everything possible, and now you're seeing the rest of the team kind of come together and catch up to him. He's a lot better player than Kirk Cousins. And A.J. Green's playing better. He'll he'll have one of the spots on our uh, around-the-NFL midseason All-Pro team along with Julio Jones at wide receiver. Saucy. Tyler Eifert's back, and they got their running game back last week. I know it was the Browns. I know the Browns' run defense isn't very good. But they broke out some new formations and blew the Browns off the ball. They put a lot of guys on one side of the line, and the Browns weren't expecting it. I'd like to see if they can keep that going because Jeremy Hill looked as good as he has since 2014, his rookie season. But what are we saying about the Redskins, though, if Matt Stafford had not directed an amazing one-minute drill to close that game? We'd be talking – I'm not saying that Kirk Cousins is, you know, the pie-in-the-sky type quarterback, whatever that but even they're means. They're fine. But – they're deep. Don't pie in the sky quarterbacks. Their, their offense, their offense in some games has imposed their will on yeah. defenses. I mean, it's like it's just to me, they're a team that you don't know what you're going to get week to it, week. To me, they're they're one of those teams. Every single game comes down to the last possession. So they are to me. That means you're an eight and eight type of team, and they're going to win some of these at the end. They're going to lose some, but overall, that's who they are. And you think Cincinnati has the edge in the quarterback battle? But are you aware? And Connor Orr wrote about this on the around the NFL page. <laughs> That Kirk Cousins is ahead in the preparation game. He's been wearing sunglasses at night to prep for his London trip as he tries to, I don't know, get ready for daylight. I don't, I don't know. I don't get the what would be the he's trying to there. adjust his body clock somehow and sunglasses help. I'm so, I'm gonna call. Wait, BS. what? Yeah. It, wait. Oh, he's doing that to solve jet lag. I. Yes. That's insane. I start get, I'm getting to bed earlier each night, getting up earlier, wearing sunglasses at night, little things just to try to make that adjustment as quickly as possible so I don't feel like it is this weekend when we get there. You know his wife's like walking know. around like, like what is what's with this and clown? He's, <laughs> walking around with his sunglasses and around the house. This guy's more square than Barry Goldwater. <laughs> One last thing about this game. We don't Josh Norman is flying to London. I didn't get the ref. I got to be honest. I didn't, I didn't get the ref. It, he's scooping out. Okay, he's a goof. It's an old, it's an old ref. It's how rest. old? How old are we talking? 60s? We're talking early seventies, late sixties. <laughs> Political reference. <laughs> All right, that was for you. I loved it. Thank you. I didn't get it, but I like when you do your old, old reference. Dan pretending he's not a big Barry Goldwater file. <laughs> I mean, Kirk, if you like wearing sunglasses at night, you think you look cool, just do it. You know, you don't have to hide behind. These things. Let's move on and talk about a big AFC matchup, uh, a 1 p.m. game uh, between the Kansas City Chiefs and Indianapolis Colts. 
and Greg, uh, this is a Andrew Luck special. He needs to play at a top level to beat a good Chiefs team uh, in his building. And we've seen he's been up to the task. He's playing very well again this year. He, he's playing fantastic. But when your number two receiver is Jack Doyle and your number three is Eric Swope, you guys did a good job, Wes, especially pointing it out on the podcast. That's an Andrew Luck game. You can do that against the Titans. I don't think you can do that against the Chiefs. The Chiefs, to me, are a complete team. They're coming together on both sides of the ball. And they're gonna. if the Colts win this game, it'll, they'll have to play their best game of the season. I have really not seen one particularly good game out of the Colts. If you can tell me what that game is, let me know. Well, he doesn't have to do it by himself anymore. I know that's the narrative, but Philip Dorsett is practicing fully on Thursday. Dante Moncrief is tentatively expected to come back and That's play huge. this week. Absolutely, those two are huge. Jack Doyle is playing well. He's more than just some, you know, role player that no. everybody can or make fun of. Fantasy flyer. He's Jack Doyle player. is playing well, and their defense, their secondary, finally has healthy bodies and played a good game against the Titans last week. What about if you're the Chiefs before the trade deadline comes and goes? You leave Jamal Charles with the Colts before this game ends. You don't need Jamal Charles right now. He came in last week, and I think you talked about it on Sunday night. Why did he come in? He played a couple snaps. Spencer Ware is, you know, he's got 35% of your ground yardage, your total offense in Kansas City. He's been a total workhorse for him. Why are you trying to shove Jamal Charles back into the picture at this point? I don't know if he's going to have a, a real role in this offense, but one thing I think I do know is that Ryan Grixon's probably out of the business of surrendering high draft picks uh, for somebody else's number one. Are, are we saying that he's a GM that doesn't continue to make the same mistakes over again? Because <laughs> I think he is. And one issue with this team is they're just not, we say this every week, it is not just an Andrew Luck-based team, and they can win the South because they have probably the best player in the AFC South and Andrew Luck. But come on, where it, is this team going? Right. The Chiefs are a tough team to defend. This is Andy Reid's dream right now, that they have so many options on offense. They've only thrown... 22 and 24 passes the last two weeks, yet 10 different players have been targeted in each one of those games. No one is getting more than five targets a week. It hasn't happened in weeks for that team. So that that's terrible if you own Travis Kelsey or Jeremy Macklin, but they're spreading it around. It's tough to tough to guard these guys. Tyreek Hill now, as a receiver, he's is one of the most exciting young players Let's, in the he league. Gives them Let's a deep calm down. Run. What? You keep uh, you keep trying to sell us Tyreek Hill. He averages like two offensive touches per week. He, he's not an right, offensive scientists. guy, but he he is so good as a returner. The Saints ch- absolutely changed their entire strategy to avoid him as a returner. Helped out the Chiefs' field position so that so that they're kicking it short all the time. Like he he's a difference maker. I think the Chiefs, like last year, are starting to become who they are, and they're generating turnovers as well. And they're a team that needs to win the turnover battle to get you know winning record basically at all. One last note: This is the according to the NFL media. Research notes are like this first meeting between these ga- teams since one of the great playoff games of the last 10 years or so, 45-44 win for the Colts where Andrew Luck, uh, I mean, he was a star before that, but he became a superstar that day, that great comeback. Let's move on, talk about one of the top games in the NFC. Uh, at least record-wise, you can't say that, though, but it is the 425 Fox game. I don't know if we're going to have Joe Buck. Joe might be calling a World Series game. Uh, so, you know, I don't want to go out and just tell everybody Joe Buck's out there. It's only the 425 <laughs> game because it got moved out of the oh, Sunday night. Oh, that's right. It got yeah. flexed. got flexed. Got a bang flex. So what we have here is the Arizona Cardinals. It's actually a, a 10 a.m., 1 a.m. game. We've got it all mixed up. Not a 1 a.m., 1 p.m. <laughs> Research 1 guide. 1 p.m. Research guide coming up short. Uh, anyway, oh, the Arizona it. Cardinals 3-3-1 coming off one of the strangest games 
uh, in recent NFL history. That 6-6 tie uh, with the Seahawks. Absolutely, they should have won and then also should have absolutely lost. They now travel to Charlotte to face the Panthers. And I don't know, guys. I mean, this game is one of the hardest ones for me to figure out because, Wes, on one hand, how long do you stick with a team that was good last year and say, oh, they're still going to be good this year? But on the other hand, I think this is a big-time wounded dog game. Big time. How's that? Why don't we ditch that drop and go with the loser goes home game? What drop is that? Well, let's just get one. Oh. It's a loser going what? home. Uh, did you did you like that dog? No, I don't like any dog being home. All right, hurt. how about this it, one? How about this one? Why are no, we going like down that. this road again? It's funny that you wouldn't put this sound drop on the network show when we when we previewed this game because I think you know the kind of backlash, the PETA, well, the all the thing of that I like about happen. it is when it just the show grounds to a halt because of it. That's <laughs> that's the effect, and you can't do that on a network. Okay. Well, that's because three of four people in the room seemingly care about animals. Uh, Sydney, who? What was that last drop, by the way? Uh, that was Goofy. Oh, Goofy! Mm. The man. Grow up, Peter Pan. I mean, uh, it's it's a cartoon. <laughs> You made your point. Right. I concede. Here we go. All right, here we go. Wounded dog game in the sense, Wes, that the Panthers, they're going to be dangerous in their building at home, right? You got Right? Like crazy? Right, but they're facing another wounded dog. Mm. The Cardinals are in a must-win situation. They're going to have to go, you would think, 10-5-1 now that they have a tie. So they can only afford two more losses the rest of the way. Maybe the Panthers can only afford one more loss. Either way, I think this is two desperate, desperate teams. I agree. I, I feel like you're saying, when should we jump ship on the Panthers? How about two weeks ago? Hmm. It's like, it, I, you don't win in the Superdome. That's a, That was a tough loss for tough them. Tough loss. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that we respect the fact that the Panthers over the last couple seasons have been one of the streakier teams last year in a good way. Previous years, they get off to a terrible start than rebound, but I don't see the... the you say the, rebound. To, yes, they bounced back, Dan. Oh, they I don't see People the rebound. DNA in this rebound. team. Yeah. Don't see the That's DNA British, in this team. That's his British. Remember when, One thing I like about this show well, is that down, Mark, I've down. been gone for I, a week, and the constant the hey. constant pattern of anything I say is mowed over by Wes, by Dan, and by little old Greg over there every single well, time. It's absolutely somebody, fantastic. When somebody does an aside, you don't, you're kind of mowing over the aside, so you're not letting that breathe at all either. It goes both that ways. That is nonsense. I remember when Charles Barkley <laughs> led the league in rebounds. <laughs> all right, so <laughs> – Okay. Where, all right. Let's get back on track here. So the Cardinals. Let's talk about the Cardinals, Greg, because the Cardinals are a team that they are not scoring any points. They scored six points in five quarters, essentially, on Sunday night. They're weird against a great team, but still, they're they're weird. It's the total opposite of when you think back to the NFC Championship game. That the key matchup here is the great Cardinals offense versus the great Panthers defense. Now those two units are mediocre. The only group in this game that is playing well this year is the Cardinals. Defense. I mean, Football Outsiders has the Cardinals offense 25th and their defense 4th so far this year. Wow. And if you're just looking at who's played well in this game this season, the Cardinals defense gives them the edge. Tony Jefferson and Kevin Minter. It's not just the big superstars that are playing well for Arizona. They're good everywhere. Marcus Golden, Calais Campbell. And and they're the group that could win this game alone for them. And people want to talk about the missed field goals in the Sunday night Seahawks-Cardinals game. That was one of the more fascinating defensive battles we've seen since we've all worked here together. It was an unbelievably fun game to watch, and it is completely legitimate what Arizona did on defense. They've given up nine 
nine points in eight quarters. And your Carolina, you have the second most turnovers in the league right now. You got to correct that. You, Carolina is making mistakes and not generating points, and their defense, which was their linchpin, is giving up massive yardage. It's worth noting that the, these two teams, when they were playing their at a high level, you know, one of them won forty-five to seven. I mean, I don't know if it's a matchup thing or not, but it, it's kind of overlooked that not only did they beat them, they absolutely humiliated are, the Cardinals. These are totally different teams. I mean, that feels like a thousand years ago. They're right totally now. different teams now. And I think if you're a Cardinals fan, if you strain hard enough, you can see some signs of progress on offense. Yeah. John Brown's supposed to come back this week. Michael Floyd played well at the end of last game. But then you look, and Michael Floyd's got a hamstring injury. He's not practicing. The right side of the offensive line is a major problem. Bruce Arian just doesn't trust that right side. Carson Palmer doesn't trust that right side. They don't even barely run off that right side. Palmer's not 100%. I mean, he's going to play, but he's not a fully well, healthy. He's not moving they, well in the pocket either. Why does the NFC West, as a division, say we don't care about the offensive line? We're just going to ride with what we have and just <laughs> get our question. quarterbacks get whacked week after week? It's a good question. All right. I am, I'm going down on the ship. With the Panthers here, if I have to. See you later. You I'm know what I'm. Panthers in fact, you know what I'm going to do right here. Are you going to lock it up? I'm going to lock <laughs> this one up. Lock it up. Come on, baby. Here it comes. Spin it. Make sure it's secure. Lock this one up. I'm on a one-game winning streak with the lock of the week. Well, I think if the lock of the week segment has taught us anything this year, it's that it's entirely meaningless. No, it has <laughs> turned. It has turned now, Wes. Oh, now it's actually in the vault. Not only did I, I lock it up, Connie Fox locked up uh, the Chargers in Atlanta. She last locked week. up the lock of the week. We're flying it. I uh, I We're was flying. watching I was watching coverage in the UK, and uh, their show also had a lock of the week. All right, let's uh, yeah, England locks it up as well. That's, Interesting that's what I was breaking saying. news. Uh, England's locking it up as, as well. Let's move on. Let's talk about a interconference matchup. I don't know. The Oakland Raiders are five and two, and now they travel to Tampa to face the three and three Bucks. And uh, Wes, here's a matchup uh, where again the Raiders are in great position right now to get to the halfway point on pace for a twelve and four season. And all they do is beat the Bucks, who you hate, Wes. Right? So you think the Raiders are cruising, right? Well, I gave the Bucks a little bit of credit Sunday night for their for their win. They they played better than I expected. You forgot to mention this is what the 2002 Super Bowl rematch. It sure is. Is it a oh. revenge game for the Raiders? <laughs> half, the what is, half the team was like 12 years old. When <laughs> what this is happened? the Statue of Limitations <laughs> on revenge games? I don't know. One of the worst I, Super Bowls of all time. It was, was except awful. for Dexter, Dexter Jackson's pocket. Anyway, <laughs> Raiders. <laughs> all right. Wait, what does that mean? Wasn't he the, the MVP of the Super Bowl? Oh yeah, and, and yeah, then yeah, got a big save for Barrett Robbins yeah, I got spinning it. down in Mexico. Save for one of the more forgettable names of, of a head coach in a Super Bowl in a long time. Can you guys name the Raiders head coach in that game? Callahan. Bill Callahan. Okay, Billy that's C. good. Billy I'm just saying though, I haven't heard a lot about Billy Callahan right. in a while. Right. Well, the Raiders have the second best record <laughs> in the AFC right little now. Little Callahan aside, there, I like it. The Raiders have the second best record in the AFC. Does anyone actually believe they're the second best team in the AFC this year? No, I think they're similar to the Redskins, that they're just a team every game is going to come down in the end just about. The, the game against the Jaguars was actually their most perhaps uh, impressive game of the season. The Jaguars don't count. At least they can beat bad teams. They showed that. Well, so the Jaguars cannot 
figure themselves out on offense, and it helped the NFL's worst defense in Oakland look a little better. Well, I mean, I, the problem is Oakland continues to give up huge plays on defense, and I think the record is nice at this point. Nice for them to get out to this start, but it's going to catch up to you at some point. I think when you watch the Raiders' defense, though, they're not one of the worst defenses in the league. They had two really bad games to start the season, and they've, they've had some games where they haven't been great, but for the most part, they're, they have talent on defense, and since those first two weeks, they've been okay. I would they've say they're un, rather underachieving, though. Yeah, that's fair. They can do better. They've got the talent to turn it around, but I, I don't give them any credit for beating the Jags. Wouldn't surprise me if the Bucks win this game, though, but they cannot get healthy. I mean, they keep waiting. Doug Martin had a setback uh, from his injury. They're that hasn't been a problem. Quiz has been more than anyone could have expected. That's fine, but... It you, hasn't been a problem. It has been. In that one game against the Panthers, he, he averaged three yards per carry. It wasn't the craziest performance. He had a great game against San Francisco. When you play good teams, it would be nice to have Doug Martin. That's all I'm saying. I get, I get that. Let's uh, move on and talk about a matchup between the Seattle Seahawks and the New Orleans Saints. And, uh, you know, Greg, I think here's the thing. Arizona Cardinals have very nice defense, but there were times in that Sunday night game where the Seahawks just looked lost. I mean, punt after punt after punt after punt. And it really gets you wondering how much is Russell Wilson's uh, leg issues really holding this offense hostage at this point. Do you think they'll be able to score points against the Saints like everyone else does, or are they going to continue to have issues? Everyone can score against the Saints, but can you you outscore the Saints in the Superdome? Can you outscore – this Saints offense, which I think is easily the best Saints offense since 2011, maybe the best one since 2009, pass protection getting better every week, the best three-wide receiver combination that Drew Brees has ever had. Now, that's not including when he had Jimmy Graham. He's not a wideout. But Cooks, Thomas, and Snead, they're lighting up. This is a great matchup when the Saints are on the field. This is one of the best defenses and one of the top three or four offenses I, it wouldn't surprise me if the Saints win this game for the same reason that the Seahawks are coming off 100 snaps a week ago. Mm. It would surprise me. Do the Saints have an edge rusher? No. I mean, they have Cameron Jordan who's a good player, but he's not really an edge rusher. Three games the Seahawks have played against teams with good edge rushers, their offense has been shut down. Mm. And when they – because Russell Wilson can't move and the Seahawks' tackles are garbage – but when they play against a team that doesn't have an edge rusher, they do fine. Well, I think this pectoral injury, which they're talking about with Wilson, is a concern. But Wilson played great against Atlanta. Wilson played great against the Jets. So I don't know about this Russell Wilson mobility is that big of a problem. It, was, it wasn't a big problem the two weeks before that. I think it's funny that I, I've been real hard on Sean Payton and the Saints for their defense. But if you do, watching what they did on offense last week when Snead got back involved in this passing game, it's funny that a year ago – we were talking about a Saints offense that wanted to become the 2014 Cowboys. They wanted to use Mark Ingram and, and chew up the clock. And finally, give Sean Payton some credit at least for saying, forget that. We know who we are. We're going to pass the hell out of the ball nonstop. And honestly, they Should look, we give them credit? I will because give them credit. You've got a couple more years with Drew Brees. And it lists this. They, they got the guys in-house to do it. Their passing game is unbelievable. I, I agree, but shouldn't Mark Ingram have 100 yards every once yeah. in a while? And Mark shouldn't Ingram, he have 25 carries does he look to help like out a defense? Does no, he, he doesn't look He like does him. not look like the same guy to me as last year. There was a period late in the last week's game with the Saints where they got a little more balanced. Right. And I thought it looked that's the kind of offense you'd want. And that but keeps, they've not been able to that do that. keeps their defense on the field. They might get Delvin Bro back, which would be if, if he doesn't come back this week. Whenever he comes back, that's a huge addition for that team. Uh, Russell Wilson told reporters uh, on Thursday 
that he was told his knee injury uh, was supposed to sideline him four weeks. He didn't miss a game. That's a little bit of a Big Ben humble brag situation. But also, it again tells you the severity of yeah. the issue that he's dealing with and uh, why he might not be right until after the season ends. We'll see uh, how this all plays out. Moving, I'm taking the Saints, by the way, in this. Oh, let's pick that game. Anybody else got the Saints? Saints. Sea chickens. I'm going Seahawks. On the Superdome playground. I'm with you. Let's roll. Let's roll. We'll take a shot on that one. All right, let's move on. Uh, Talk a little Lions at Texans, guys. And uh, the talk of the league. Well, there's two. This is really the tale of two quarterbacks right here. I mean, you have on one side, Mark, Brock Osweiler is coming off maybe his his lowest moment on uh, Monday night against his old team. And then on the other side, you have the reborn by Cooter, Matthew Stafford, who is getting legit MVP buzz. Do you think he deserves to be in that conversation right now? Absolutely. Watching Matthew Stafford over the last couple weeks to a month, this is completely different than the way I used to feel watching Matthew Stafford, where I found him so frustrating. He drove me nuts. He would do things physically, mechanically, and decision-making-wise that would just make Lions fans insane. Instead, this year, it's completely the opposite, and I don't want to say that it's because Calvin Johnson isn't there. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But he's doing it last week without any semblance of a ground game. It's on his shoulders, and the way he beat the Redskins in the final minute was one of the better you know, closing moments for a quarterback all season. And I think he'll be able to continue that against the Texans. The bigger question for me is you look at Osweiler. We all saw that game in primetime. What a disaster. The aura around this Texans team is one of great disappointment because you poured a ton of money into what is essentially a backup quarterback that might even be third string in the way he's played on some teams' rosters right now. Can you get healthy against a Lions defense that allowing a 75% quarterback might be the worst defense percentage. in the league it's, it's, in, it's in the mix I can't they're, believe it. they're allowing quarterbacks to get healthy but I just think with this with, with the way this Texans offense is centered right now Brock Osweiler is hurting them week to week guys like Kerry Hyder on the Lions are getting to quarterbacks he's going to get pressured we'll see what happens the way you just bury your hand in your face when you hear that drop can we hear it one more time oh, I can't believe it that is Greg's impression of, of, of Brock Osweiler, just so everyone knows. Speaking of Brock Osweiler, by the way, a Texans fan, and when these stories pop up, you know you're, you're in a funk whenever this happens. A Texans fan has started a GoFundMe uh, to raise $72 million to buy out Brock Osweiler's Do you contract. blame him? I totally don't blame him. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's a bad situation. We talked about this uh, uh, in depth on Tuesday's show, but they are, they're in a tough situation. They're locked in with him, and they need him to show something against Detroit, Wes. I can't believe I'm picking the Lions to win this game, but I think other than Blake Bortles, I have less confidence in Brock Osweiler than any quarterback in the league. Hmm. And I have a lot of confidence in Matthew Stafford. I'm not in the Pro Football Writers of America. Why not? But if I was, I'd be kicked out because I haven't written a Matthew Stafford think piece this week. And every other hey. football writer. <laughs> I hope you're reading the QB index. We had ours a month ago, Matthew Stafford. We were ahead of the curve. That's what we do. We are ahead of the curve. They get uh, Theo Riddick back this week. They get Eric Ebron back this week. That's part of and what. And they've got Golden Tate, a rejuvenated Golden Tate, as the centerpiece of their passing game right now. That's Isn't he the- also sort of their ground game, too? Yes. Yeah. That's what's so impressive to me about what Stafford and Cooter have done. Cooter's an incredible play caller. They put up 31 points on the Rams in eight drives without Ebron and Riddick, who are two of their four or five most valuable offensive players. It's incredible. And listening uh, today, there was a good hit by uh, 
on Up to the Minute from our reporter James Palmer, Justin Forsett, who's been there. He compared Stafford's mastery of the offense and the responsibility he has with directing where everyone's going to be to Peyton Manning. He said he's played with a lot of veteran quarterbacks, including Joe Flacco, for instance. None of them had that sort of mastery and control and and ability to orchestrate the whole team like Stafford. It's not and that surprised you. I, I mean, I, you, who would have ever thought you'd hear that about Matthew Stafford? Yeah. Right. It's not just the play calling because finally someone has developed and worked with Matthew Stafford to correct a lot of the stuff that multiple coaches and position coaches could not. And I'll tell you something, Dan. Yes. That's why I'm making the Lions Ooh. my lock of the week. You're locking it up? They're a fun team. I have, oh, I have Wait, disliked. Wait, let them lock it up. Spin it and secure the It's door. in the vault. I have disliked the Lions and watching the Lions since childhood because of the stadium they play in, their boring <laughs> little dome, and just their whole boring – you know, feeling to the whole team. Plus, they've been terrible most And they've been terrible. <laughs> That's Completely it. different this year. They're fun to watch. And you know what? They're going to take this team down. The Texans have a lot of questions to answer. You had an issue with the Pontiac Silverdome? Kind of well, romantic old building. That's where Hulk Hogan slammed uh, Andre the Giant. Once That's the time. most fun thing that happened in yeah. the Pontiac Silverdome in my childhood. Unless you're a 49ers. I actually went and watched yeah. that event live, closed-circuit cable, in the Hartford <laughs> Felt Forum, I believe it was yeah. called. Wow. Dragged my dad to it. He was questioning everything about my brother and I at that point. <laughs> Why was he dragged to a WWF WrestleMania event? It was a great event. Sorry, well, dad. Especially, though, just, you're just watching it on TV, right? That was a thing. That's no, weird. you couldn't order it. Oh, it's house. hard to convey cable. how big wrestling was for any child from 1985 to 87. Replace Saturday Night Live every fourth week. Yeah, that was a huge event in our household when Saturday Night's main event replaced Saturday Night Live. I think, although that is very true that it did, I think it SNL, is very true. SNL does go dark like once a month also. It just happened to slide. I like into to frame it. Spot. I like to frame it differently. <laughs> it actually it completely dominated. <laughs> it was a big deal. I'm not. I'm just uh, for the sake of accuracy. Just just yeah. to recap, Dan pissed all over your points. No, Sydney, cut like, that from the broadcast. That did nothing <laughs> to help not like, what Wes and I were trying to get to there. Vince McMahon picked up the phone and Lord Michaels was like, "Hello," and then Vince. Well, it also it also got massive ratings though too. It did very well. So your point is shredded and means nothing. It was not really. I mean, we finally got Dan's Lauren Michaels impression. Hey, the show, that was <laughs> long time coming. It was the only night of the year or month that the Wesleyan boys were allowed to have snacks. Oh, that's a sweet uh, story. <laughs> I like that. I like picturing that. They, they threw on. him down the stairs. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> snacks for like eight kids, Here so that's go. an investment. Keep the change, you filthy animals. <laughs> the latch opens. You hear the door <laughs> swing open. <laughs> Light, light. <laughs> Throwing like raw meat down the stairs. It's like ra- raccoons water. and badgers fighting for the same snacks. <laughs> Seven of us fighting over one Rolo. There's like a, a dead Wesley boy skeleton in the corner. Like he just he oh, never yeah. could make it. Old Hank. Old Hank Wesley. No one knows about Rest Hank. He gone. All right, let's move on and uh, talk about, oh, let's take a trip to the throne of ease. My goodness. I mean, it's starting to get almost comical now. They get gift-wrapped a victory last week because Ben Roethlisberger's knees hurt. Now they're going to get gift-wrapped another win because LaShawn McCoy was stupidly played in uh, Week 7 by Rex and company. We'll see. And then we got the news. Also, we'll get to a little later, but I was upset with this with Greg, too, that Denver lost their starting running back, too. Denver, the only real threat in the AFC. I, I'm furious right now. Oh, yeah, the Patriots, they've never had any injuries in their history. I mean, that's, uh, just, that's what touche. happens. That's football. Just en- enjoy the throne of ease. That's all I'm saying. They've had some breaks this year. No all right. Doubt. 
Here we go. The uh, except for you know the whole suspending the best player in the league for four games for a ridiculous offense. Well, know, other than that, the breaks. When you cheat, you got to be got to be punished. You got to <laughs> face up to it. Except the other thirty-one teams. The bill always comes due. That's the lesson there. Nice pun. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, it must have been a deflating situation. Has anyone done that? No, you're the first. <laughs> okay, that was good. that was professional. All right, here we go. The Bills four and three. Uh, lost in Miami, had a great opportunity to come flying into this Patriots matchup. Um, uh, but instead, they're coming off a tough loss to the Dolphins. Uh, they are the home team, but we should know uh, that Tom Brady always has fun against Rex Ryan. Uh, but things were different. This is the second matchup between these two teams, correct? And the Bills won the first one, was. Yeah, they, there won't be any Jacoby Brissett for them to pick on this time Well, around. that's fair. And you do have to give credit. <laughs> Slice me off a piece of that Jake Brisky. Just when I thought we'd never hear that again. The 18 tackle game that Zach Brown had against the Patriots might be the best defensive performance I've seen all year. Hmm. And he'll be he, – he wasn't practicing because of an illness, but he should be fine. The Patriots should be hoping that LaShawn McCoy plays because he was terrible last week. He was dragging his leg around. He was not nearly as explosive as Mike Gillisley. And Robert or LaShawn McCoy playing was bad not only for what it does this week and the week after that when he won't be 100%. It was bad because he didn't give them a good chance to win at at a at a, a stage in that game where he couldn't make anyone miss. He couldn't do anything. Well, the Bills' defense should be good enough to keep them in most games. Now they're going up against you know what might be the best offense in the league. They do get Marcel Darius back. It's going to be tough for the Bills to score a lot of points. They're not build up, built to score a lot of points. They might be without Cordy Glenn. Uh, they might be without Aaron Williams, who's been a, a key part of that secondary, and it sounds like he's going to be out for, for a long time. It doesn't set up well for them, but this is a team that really won on both sides of the ball last time they played. Their offense having a lot of long drives early against the Patriots was a key to that game. I, I There was a point in the Steelers-Patriots game where the Steelers scored to go to go up, to, they were down twenty to sixteen. It's the fourth quarter, and it's almost you found out right then that New England is just toying with teams at this point. At that point, they stopped spreading the ball around. They just gave it to Legarrette Blunt and fired it down the field to Rob Gronkowski. Scored instantly and absolutely powerfully imposed their will on the opponent. And at that point, I watched it. I said, "They are going to win the Super Bowl, and we're going to spend the next <laughs> ten or twelve weeks." Talking around, flittering around other teams. Oh, the Houston Texans, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It does not matter at all. This team is by far, heads and tails, the best team in the AFC and the NFL. They are going to destroy Buffalo. Hashtag save football. Cancel the Patriots. Deja vu. I feel like this was your rant like right before you left for a week. And well, you come back. And just, well, nothing <laughs> changed. Listen. I'll tell you that. Honestly, watching that Steelers game, and I understand Landry Jones was in there, and if you put Big Bang in there, that's a different matchup, but I'm not sure it matters. New England is not going to be stopped by anyone barring a rash of injuries. They are not going to be stopped. They are. They're like in swingers where he's using those bear claws, and they just kind of – they bat around uh, the pretty little team, and whenever they feel like it, they dig those claws in, and they, and they do it. Here's two – Wes, I like – By the way, thank God for that because without the Patriots, there'd be no good teams in football. That's oh, exactly right. Competitive balance. Save the Patriots. Awesome. Save football. Um, <laughs> I, I, Wes, I know you like trivial stats. I like two of these. Right? No, I don't. Uh, all eight of Tom Brady's TD passes this season have gone to RBs and tight ends. That's Which, uh, can I spin off that point? Sure, go ahead. Julian Edelman, not very good this year. 
He is has, it the he, foot? He's not as quick as he was. He's not making big plays. He's not the player he was last year or the year before that. And this is kind of a meaningless stat, but Brady has just become such a statistical monster in the last 10 years that uh, all these stats are always crazy, but they're just fun to read. Brady is 11-0 in October starts since 2014 with 33 touchdowns and one interception. I think there's one reason one! for that. There, there's something wow. to be said for that, that New England, and we've talked about this before, they don't have a problem spending the month of September figuring out who they are and what they do best. And by the time you get to October and you still have a lot of healthy players and Brady is not in any level worn down, they just rip through You're, people. If, if here's you the wanna, counter to that, though. I think all teams try to, are trying to figure not this the stuff way out they in do September, it. And then, but the Pats figure it out. There you go. A lot of teams they, don't. They, they can't. The Pats they do things solve. well that other teams, professional teams, should be able to do and do not do. I, I don't. I am uncomfortable with all this. Uh, they're they're in the Super Bowl. That's uh, not how it works. Because you don't that's, like it. You don't like the reverse. That's not how it works. It's, it's not how it works. But it's Every how it's team, going to be. Uh, maybe. I hope so. But they're going to have to keep getting better. They have. It's not like they're a perfect team. Are they a good pass blocking team? Not particularly. Are they a good pass rushing team? Not particularly. Are they a particularly good running team? Not really. Like they, they, they're good. They have Tom Brady, and they have a lot of great <laughs> Is this parts. Really happening. I'm it's, just saying. They you need, know what? They're not the the most dominant team we've ever seen. Here's one example. Everyone's, you know, LeGarrette Blunt's <laughs> no, just a guy. He's LeGarrette. nobody. You know what he is? He's dominating teams he's week great. to week. And, and the guy does not get, I'm not saying that he's the most versatile running back. He's, he's a one-dimensional type guy. But they say go in there and batter through teams. There were a couple runs against the Steelers last week where he's like, just swaying back and forth and just went for 10 or 11 yards right through Pittsburgh's defense. Mark, uh, Greg. Why don't you that put? was a shameful performance by me. But that's, it's not what? a great pass rusher or pass protection. But then here's the thing. Okay. The rest of the NFL, the, what is the team? They're, the NFL right now, the, the talent level of the other team seems to be lower. There isn't two or three other teams sitting out there. It just seems absolutely low this Seahawks, year. Seahawks, Steelers when they get Ben back, which they will. Uh, well, one Vikings. of them when you meet in the Super Bowl. Two of them you meet in the, the Super Bowl. Gary Blunt Broncos. on pace for 1,300 yards and 17 touchdowns. I think the Patriots are running well. And Deion Lewis is supposed to return to practice. They could have wow. a very versatile backfield that allows them to play in any situation they want. They they do have a good running back in blood, but not a great running game. Like they don't. He's the only guy. But they get what they need. One. Other teams would love when you. You know what? It's third and eight. You need. They hand the ball off. Other teams get two yards, and it's a nice punt. Somehow, Blunt runs for a first down. It's almost like watching someone play a video game while the rest of the teams are in slow motion. I mean, there's no way to mask it, Greg, verbally. Greg, I want you to put your high octane sandwich where your hot take is. Oh, and uh, two sandwiches. Uh, if I'm the not Patriots don't miss, the Patriots. make the Super Bowl. No, you say they. I say there's no way they miss the uh, Super Bowl. I'm not picking against the. Patriots. Well, then you cover oh. both sides. No, I'm not. That's a rule. I never would pick against them. So I've, you, I've you them. agree that they will be in the Super Bowl. I'm gonna pick them every week for the rest of time. For the rest of time immemorial. All right, let's move on and talk about, uh, oh, here's two teams going nowhere. The New York Jets and Cleveland Browns, uh, who are the bottom two teams in the AFC standings right now. Uh, Two and five Jets coming off a win over the Ravens. Uh, The Browns at home, still looking for that first win. And it looks like uh, all indications uh, point to Josh McCown returning to the lineup and – Mark, I know you've been picking the Browns a lot this year, and I got a feeling you're going to pick them again. 
And I just want you to remember a nice little helicopter spin that uh, we gave Josh McCown last season when he came into the Meadowlands. You come come near that goal line again, the helicopter spinning once more. I think you're Jets, 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 Jets. Well, you can you can go on with your chanting. Um, <laughs> you know, they we just did a network piece where we had to put this under the category of teams pushing for the playoffs, I would suggest a different title for this game. Pushing up daisies? I mean, please. <laughs> Ooh, hey. But yeah, that helicopter spin might have been the best thing that happened to Cleveland because it is the first thing that sunk that team, got Hugh Jackson to be their coach, <laughs> Wait, and it's the first coach... They were going to get sunk either way. Like. Maybe maybe not. McCown actually played very well last year, and he's the X factor in this game because if you had Kevin Hogan in here who can he can run for you as a wild card, wildcat quarterback a couple plays a game, he cannot throw the ball at an NFL level. McCown can. Kevin got- Hogan has the most hideous quarterback delivery I've ever seen in my life. Blake Bortles is like, what about me? No, no, no. no. I mean, Kevin Hogan throws like a cricket bowler. He brings it over <laughs> the top like this and then heaves the it. The Kevin Hogan like game, though, deserves, deserves like a not a 30 for 30, but maybe one of those shorts. Like the Kevin Hogan game last week was an amazing thing to behold. Yeah, and it's I, I don't know what we're asking of the sixth quarterback to play for a team in seven weeks. I don't think we should ask Kevin Hogan to be some sort of like hidden gem. You know, he is what he is. McCown, though is a very good quarterback, and he's got the ability. They said he's throwing the ball very well on Wednesday's practice, also on Thursday. And that opens up a whole new element in Cleveland's offense that was not present the last couple weeks. And I would say this is a dangerous matchup for the Jets because of how victimized they've been downfield. You don't Every- have Corey Coleman, but listen, there's a chance here. This game evens out with a... You don't Listen, if Geno Smith were starting this game, this would be Cleveland's hands down in my book. I don't think Cleveland is anything hands down. And I think every game is dangerous for the Jets because the Jets aren't very good either. But I also – I know there seems to be a groundswell all of a sudden that Josh McCown is like a really good quarterback. And I and I don't I don't agree. I think he's going to struggle against – even though the Jets are a flawed team. Let the record he'll show. struggle against the pass rush. There's nothing all of a sudden about my support for Josh McCown. Well, you've, you've been pretty much on the Josh McCown bandwagon. But I'm. it's not like they, they're getting an all-pro back or something. It's not an all-pro, but you're talking about going from Kevin Hogan – well, that's to an Josh McCown. That's that an is what would have been a 30 to 7 Jets win to the the game is suddenly it's a pickem. It's what it is because this game is in Cleveland, not that that's a huge home field advantage, but the Jets are vulnerable in many ways and you've got they a quarterback are. in McCown that nearly beat the Ravens that threw for 400 and something yards against the Broncos last year that's done this mm. that, that, that that you know week after week is showing you he can throw the ball and get it to his receivers. He is a dangerous quarterback in this matchup. And, he, these and, are the two worst teams in football according to Football Outsider. Makes sense. Well, that that's not a surprise. And, but that that shows you why, Jets, why not is. the Browns uh I don't think the Jets are the second worst team in football. Uh, they've they've had some games that were so bad that they've skewed some of those these metrics in my opinion. I think the Jets are bad, but not like bottom of the world bad. No, I, uh, they've I, had bottom of the world moments, but yeah, I, I, we'll see. I, I agree. I think this game is kind of a t- part of me, the, like in a dark part of my mind. I would have no problem. I don't want the Browns to go winless. I think they they deserve a win at some point. And if they beat the Jets and they take me off life support in my hope situation, because I'm looking at that schedule and I'm getting now excited. You're, now you're bit. thinking they could get to five and five. I'm with thinking they schedule. could potentially, but if you just get beat by the Browns, then I, I'm completely uh, not emotionally invested at all. That'd be fun. Major, are you guys gonna be cool this Sunday? Like Mark and I Dan? think it's I think it's fair every, to they say they play every year. Well, it's also fair to say that at this point, I mean, how how upset would you like me to get about the Browns? winning or losing this game. I'm not in that place anymore, and I think that Dan's pretty close to not being in that place either. Ryan Fitzpatrick will have a passer rating over 100 in this game. 
Mm. I think he'll well, play very well. Th- th- did the o- the offense totally came to life when he came in the game last week? At least Ma- for one series. Major running a back advantage for the Browns in this game. Isaiah Crowell was cutting fantastically against the Bengals. Matt Forte needs 30 carries to reach 100 yards this year. He's averaging 3.5 yards per carry and looks slower than that. Jets have the number two rush defense, held the Ravens to nine yards on the ground. Well, that's because the Ravens don't believe in running the ball. Uh, Let's move on. Talking AFC West matchup. Ooh, this is a good one, Greg, and I know you're excited about it. The San Diego Superchargers, fresh off an incredible comeback win in Atlanta, now travel to Denver to face the uh, first place Broncos. And the Broncos look very much like the Broncos – uh, that uh, made the Super Bowl run last year against the Texans, a dominant defensive effort, and the quarterback did enough to uh, uh, to create a convincing win. But now C.J. Anderson looks like he's out for the year. How big a loss is that for the uh, Broncos? It's big because their offense is not a explosive offense, and I think they were building something with Anderson and Booker as a one-two combination. Now you're really cooking with gas there with Gary Kubiak's zone running scheme. Now it's down to Booker. I think you've got a guy who is as talented talented enough to be a starter with Booker. It's not a huge, huge downgrade Anderson to Booker, but the problem is you only got one guy now, and if Booker gets hurt, that's really going to hurt them. Late October of 2016, who's the better team in this matchup? I think the Chargers. I'm picking the Chargers. I mean, I really believe the Chargers might be better than the Denver Broncos I think as the, of this week. I thought the Chargers have been a top-10 team this whole season, and that, that remains true. I think they've got the talent of a top-10 team, and they've played that way. But so did the Broncos. Like, I, I can't say I'd be surprised if the Broncos at home with that defense – manages to to hurt Phillip Rivers, who has the number two scoring Yeah, there's no, no reason to take anything away from Denver's defense. But I'll say something. It's funny what happens with these teams and PR-wise and how they're perceived, that a month ago, everyone was all over San Diego for Joey Bosa and everything else. Now it looks like with Hunter Henry and Joey Bosa, the Chargers have come out of this with one of the best drafts. Jadavis Brown, too. Yeah, I mean, they've found players, and they are frisky. And they're the, they, the Chargers feel like that team that is coming up on your schedule – Home or away, I don't want to deal with them they, at all. Well, they should be five and two, just like the Broncos are five and two. Right? They blew two games that were kind of fluky. They happen once every ten years. They just happen to do them in over three weeks. Uh, but yeah, I mean that makes sense why you would view them as close. I, I mean, but they're in Denver. This is a tough matchup against the reigning Super Bowl champion that's playing at a very high level. This is such. I'm a, staying with Denver. I, I'm picking the Chargers, and it's such a big game for them so early in the season because if you can pull off sweeping the Broncos, who hadn't lost uh, a road AFC West game, had barely lost any division games in years. If you can pull off sweeping them, and on, and in between you come back from 17 in Atlanta, I mean, they are going to feel like they you can beat excited. everyone. I am excited. Why, Why don't you just become a Chargers fan? Why I am. This year I'm a Chargers Migrate over across the Chargers country. What is up with the schedule makers playing this, doing this game twice in three weeks? I don't know. I don't know. Mark, you'll enjoy. Dan had an inspired comparison for Joey Bosa. Please. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you'll remember this guy because he shipwrecked a a Jets playoff game against your Browns. But a young Mark Gastineau watching those highlights, the way he combines the speed uh, and the power and just his build and even number. It's it's like watching him. That's a good comparison. And just the fact that, you know, you didn't have the offseason – 
the same way other players did. You miss live action for so long, and it doesn't matter who he's paired up against. He seems to just bowl right through people. He's one of the more fun players to watch on defense. And I I heard, Wes, you say it, defensive player of the year, rookie defensive rookie of the year. Absolutely, if he continues on this course. They're a fun fun team to watch. And Rivers right now taking away three of his favorite targets playing this well. It's, It's another one. He's had these great first halves the last few years. He needs to keep it going this year, but he's playing as well as any quarterback. Where do the Kissing Cousins fall on this game? It's a it's a coin flip game. I I don't want to disrespect the Broncos, so I'll pick them in a home game. If this were in San Diego, I I just going home team. I, Denver's defense they've got not gotten worse. I'll, I'll, I think that they're going to do the job. It can be a close game though. Uh, let's move on, gentlemen. Uh, here's another matchup between uh, two NFC teams. The Green Bay Packers, 4-2, and two, travel to Atlanta to face the Falcons. Great week of games. Yeah, this is a very good – listen. By far the best week of games. NFL rightly got slaughtered. Uh, maybe the Sunday night game got more heat than it deserved. But uh, in general, it was not a good week of games in week seven. If we get another bad week of games with some good matchups, uh, then I'm, I'm a little nervous. Well, the then I start asking, the and this is a this is an, an annoying argument for the people. Are there too many teams in the NFL? Maybe we need to have go back to twenty six teams like this. Whoa. Get rid of some of this junk. Get the talent level up on every team, and have more matchups, more weeks full of competitive showdowns. Not a bunch of games where you know that one of the teams will not compete. Should we or both. track the Cleveland Browns again? No. <laughs> Maybe if you <laughs> never happen. Maybe it will never happen. Maybe if you stop suspending some of the best players in the league, you'll have better football. Um, all right, let's talk about this game. The Falcons are 4-3 and three now and on a two-game losing streak. And you know what? Uh, you wonder, and we all agree this team is not a, a fluke team, at least on offense. They can uh, score against anybody just about. But you wonder if their their confidence here, Chris Wessling, is shaking a little bit after blowing that game at home to the Chargers. Now you got Green Bay, which is a flawed team, but still a team that could go into a building and, and beat a team like the Falcons. How do you see this game looking? The Falcons don't strike me as a team that's going to have their confidence shaking after going into hmm. Denver, going into Seattle, and pounding the Panthers. I, I don't think that's in their DNA this year. I do think that the loss of Tevin Coleman cannot be overstated. He reminds me of the... Saints-era Darren Sproles where they're just using him as a mismatch against linebackers. And if you take that element away, I mean, it's a game of mismatches anyway, but that's one element. I wonder, even without Tevin Coleman, do the Packers have the firepower to keep up with the Falcons? Right. I don't think so at all. I think the Falcons, it's weird. The last two weeks have almost convinced me more that they're going to be around. I think Ryan is just making – terrific throws. His performance in Seattle was about as good as any quarterback's played all year. And the pass rush is coming around. You, you mentioned it, I remember, on Sunday night show. Beasley, uh, Keanu Neal is starting to give, like, the Deion Jones is playing better. I, I don't feel any worse about this team at 4-3. and three. I don't feel good about the Packers. And that's why, guys. Uh-oh. I'm going to do Are something. you locking it up? I like it. You lock it up? Let's lock it up! He's locking it up! Come on, lock it! It's locked. It's in the vault. It's in the vault. Take it home, Mighty Ice. Smart lock. I like that. You're locking up the Falcons, and that makes sense. I, I think I'm with you on that. I think that's a uh, – their their defense, by the way, now after getting shredded by Phil Rivers, past defense ranked 31st in the league. But we, you know, Not we hear team. that stat, and then you say, oh, here comes Aaron Rodgers. But as we've talked about, and a lot of people have talked about, 
we don't know what to expect from the, the the Packers, even though they had some nice moments in the second half the last time we saw yeah, them. Yeah, Next Gen Stats points out, too, that the what the Chargers did against Atlanta's defense is they were, they were very productive targeting them over the middle of the field over and over. And if you're Green Bay, the only player that's been productive over the middle of the field is Randall Cobb. You've got a wide receiver playing running back right now for you half the time. I just don't think Green Bay's offense can keep up with, as Wes said, a Falcons team that looks completely confident in what they are doing. This is the polar opposite of the team that went 6-0 and last year with smoke and mirrors. Totally different deal, this situation. The Packers also are getting crushed by number one wide receivers this year. And Julio Jones... He's going to kick up a big game. How about this for Julio Jones? Uh, the Packers, according to our research guide, Packers have allowed 101 receiving yards per game to opponents' number one wide receivers this season. That's 31st in the league. Julio comes in leading the league with 830 yards of receiving. Uh, so I would take Julio Jones off your bench this week and start yes. him in fantasy. That would be that's my fantasy. It's smart that he was week. on your bench though. Yeah. Very very smart that he's been on riding your. Keep mind. him healthy. Yeah. Get him in now. I would say. I'll be interested to see if a healthy Devontae. Greg just disgusted by that. No, no, I'm with you. I, I'm I'm holding my tongue about saying anything. Why? What's wrong? Why? What's the this is well, podcast? No, no. Now's I mean, the time to speak. Yeah, speak up. You you were hitting on what was one of my pet peeves back when I was in the uh, in the fantasy. Okay, industry. let's hear it. That's what I'm saying. Whenever people are like, well, I gotta I gotta tell you this week, no matter what you're thinking. You got to play Matthew Stafford. It's like <laughs> thanks, thanks, buddy. He's scoring thirty points. Well, you should you should have piggybacked that because yeah. that's kind of what I was. That's, yeah, that was, referencing I was with there. you. I was just so you, let, you hung me out to dry and just gave. I me, think uh, he eventually you know, piggybacked. Kind yeah, of a sour look. If you're playing in an eight or ten team league, I mean, grow up. <laughs> grow up. <laughs> well, someone say like, don't play a game at all. That's a better. That, way yeah, that's also that's like where, if that's where if I you're co-managing a fantasy team, grow up. How about yeah, being, how about this? Be an adult. It's like, oh, I have to decide who to start this week, DeMarco Murray or Ezekiel Elliott. All right, that's fun. Uh, Grow up. <laughs> last thoughts about this game, guys. Yeah, I think that I think I want to be interested to see is Devontae Adams going to displace Jordy Nelson? Because Devontae Adams is outplaying him. Mm. He does seem like a different and better player this year. Well, it's, you know why? It's a low bar, but a, a much better. Player. Well, it's, he doesn't have a high ankle sprain, Greg. People, not the fantasy community, loved to bash Devonte Adams all last year while he was playing through a high ankle sprain, which is impossible for all to do of last well. season. That's yeah. ligament damage, folks. That's what a high ankle sprain does; it lingers for months. <laughs> <laughs> Did you like that wink at you there? Yes, that was it's brought that. That one was home. well done. Thank I you. love this. Here we go. If we don't get a good Sunday night matchup uh, this week, we'll never get it because Al, Chris, and Michelle. We'll call uh, a matchup between the Philadelphia Eagles, 4-2, and two, coming off a win where they, all right, they didn't play great on both sides of the ball necessarily, but they did knock off the undefeated uh, Minnesota Vikings, and now they travel to Big D to face the 5-1 and one Cowboys. Everybody is pumped up mm. about the Cowboys right now, and rightfully so. Uh, so here we go, Mark Sessler, Carson Wentz versus Dak Prescott. I'm going to give you, I'm going to hit, I'm going to hit him with a hind right, right now, uh, Mark. What? is the quarterback you would choose if you were starting a franchise tomorrow. Which one? Carson Wentz. But I'll tell you what, this Cowboys team, I was wrong about something. There is one team that can challenge New England if things stay on this course. There's another one. It is the Dallas Cowboys. I the like Dallas that. Cowboys are going to teach the Philadelphia Eagles a lesson. A lesson in what? They're going to take the Eagles down this week. You're not oh, teach going- them a lesson in what? Football. Humility? Football. 
Football. Okay. Just the sport. Cool, cool. The sport Math. in general. Ground and pound football? Yeah, I think this, this Cowboys team is a nightmare matchup for most teams around the league. And we saw the Eagles. They did what they did against the Vikings. And it came for one reason, because the Vikings, one problem with the Vikings, which is very evident along with their line issues, is they are a one-dimensional team on offense. They've got no run game. The Cowboys are the direct opposite. They are going to, week after week, beat people up. Ezekiel Elliott has become one of the best running backs in the league. And you've got two quarterbacks now, once Tony Romo gets healthy, that can guide you. This is a team that is built to last this entire season, and the Eagles are not their equivalent. The Eagles have a good defense, but they're not going to be able to take down this and Dallas offense. In guess my who's back for the Cowboys this week? Des Bryant, only one of the best wide receivers in the league. I'm not sure they even need him the way that they would have in past seasons. I you think- know what, though? Jim Schwartz wants to come in there and shut down Ezekiel Elliott. That's fine. We've got Des. We've yeah. got Cole Beasley. Yeah. And they've got play- Jason Witten. You know, Rex and company, I think, you know, they blew the LaShawn McCoy situation and blew his MVP candidacy potentially as well. The Cowboys played it right with Des. They didn't rush him back. I think, you know, we'll see how he comes back healthy. But they gave him four weeks to get right, and hopefully it works this time. I love Mark's read on this game. I love it so much. Uh Uh-oh. Is he going to lock it up? Then I'm going to lock it up! He's locking it up, baby! Hit him, hit him, hit him, hit him. Lock it up. Yes. Spin the wheel, spin the wheel. I'm all sealed. Lock it up. Cowboys win. They're the better team, and Mark's right. I agree with you. Out of all the NFC contenders, the Seahawks and Cowboys strike me as the ones built to last I this can't, year. I can't disagree. I can't disagree either. As much as I would love to, as a lifelong contrarian, as it said in my <laughs> it said in my little board last week. Yeah. But the the Eagles, how many passing yards do they have the last two weeks? I think com- they've combined for fewer than three hundred passing yards in their last. Two games. Well, Could that be correct? It's something like that. It's insane. You can't keep winning that way. The offense, I think they're doing a really good job not exposing Carson Wentz to major problems, and they're doing a good job ultimately with a a talent, not talentless, but a, a below-average talent for an offense with a rookie quarterback. But it's tough to do that week after week, especially against a, a team like Dallas, who I think has has its stuff together, at least on one side of the ball, they're dominant. Who are you gonna? What, Greg? We get you know two tickets uh, to the Super Bowl. Cowboys, Pats. Who are you taking? Well, they're up for grabs this year. Usually, I've got it all mapped out. You know, I've had different friends, parents. You, you just know. acknowledge the Patriots are. Shall I provide our listenership <laughs> with your uh, email address? Oh, you just address. trapped him. Trapped him. I, it's up for grabs right now. Haven't made a decision. No, Patriots, well, you got Here's the tricky thing: is you can't wait. And I actually think this time I was thinking I am gonna wait to find out who's in the game. Usually, though, people want to make plans. You gotta, you know, get expensive a, flight. A flight. Well, that means that they will stay with you in your hotel room. It's fine with me. Well, it's, wife's not coming this year. Come stay. With I don't know what that, that means. means. You gonna invite a woman? What is it? What are you getting out there? <laughs> I'm saying uh, I got extra room for some buddies if you want to come. If, if okay. my dad, if my dad feels like crashing in the room. I don't think he's going to want to. Old man Rosie. Why not? Why would a guy want to go to the Super Bowl? Totally get you. <laughs> um, I also believe Dallas. Who are you bringing? Who am I going to bring? I are, I always have it locked up. I figure it out. Uh, this year, Keith. Keith goes every other year. My old man. Uh, and then uh, my brother-in-law, Keith. Double Keith action. I, it, it, Keith I squared. Did, I did feel bad when my father-in-law was at the Patriots, you know, winning that fourth Super Bowl and, you know. Yeah, but you can't control Old Tommy stuff, Rosenthal's at home wondering mm. what, what could Tommy, Tommy, you're going to the Super Bowl, right? Your boy works for the NFL. Uh, no, no, Sully. He's actually taking his father-in-law. 
<laughs> Crushing. Terrible narrative. I don't know who to take this year. I got quite the conundrum going on. But Greg, I'm sorry that that happened to you. Yeah, I like that my dad's <laughs> such a local tough. <laughs> all right, let's let's move on to Monday night football. Yeah, we're all picking the Cowboys Sunday night, but hopefully we'll get a good game out of it. Uh, but it could get away from Philly. I think we're all in agreement there. Uh, finally, Monday night football, and who knows, guys, if it was a case, a little bit of the yips. We named the Vikings the team of around the NFL. And they uh, lay an egg in Philly uh, for their first loss of the season. And here's another thing I was a little uncomfortable about with the Vikings. Uh, they, uh, Mike Zimmer, who, and I linked out here, uh, Mark, to your excellent piece you wrote on Mike Zimmer, uh, he is, under the wording, has pushed a lot of the right buttons. Mm. Links out right to a Sessler banger. Okay. I did that. You were ill. I said, this will lift Mark's spirits because I know you end around every day. I felt day. that. Uh, uh, he's pushed a lot of right buttons, but going into the bye week, he left stuffed animal cats all over the uh, Winter Park complex of the Vikings uh, as a reminder to the players as they hit their bye week not to become, wait for it, fat cats. And then uh, some of the uh, cats had their throats slit, their cotton innards pulled out, dipped in red paint because fat cats get slaughtered. And then they go and they lay their biggest egg of the season I'm just some of the juju now around the Vikes. I'm a little nervous. Uh, that is a that is an odd move. I I don't have I can't really talk around that in any other way. That's a strange one. I'm not I'm not sure that he got that from calling up Bill Parcells. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Bill Parcells loves these cheesy little things. He he used to hang items of cheese from the ceiling. It sounds exactly from. I'm just Bill saying. I'm not, he says, "Don't take the cheese." These are grown men. That wait, he's don't doing take this the cheese. Is kind of cool though. I like that. <laughs> I like don't take the cheese. I'm just not going to tag Bill Parcells with it. The Vikings. How about when he put an airplane ticket for Pat Swilling on Lawrence Taylor's chair. <laughs> Told him he can get a better pass rusher. Um, wow. Vikings five and one. They travel again with the Chicago Bears in prime time. This feels like we're being trolled. Uh, the one and six Bears, and we're gonna see Jay Cutler. Here, it looks like, uh, who missed five weeks with a sprained thumb. Uh, and I loved – oh, that's what it was. I was asking you. We were trying to figure out what we wanted to talk about on Thursday's show. Greg, what did Jay Cutler say when uh, the press asked him if he believed that the coach, uh, John Fox, had uh, faith in him and or uh, believed in him going into this game, turning back to him with QB? Well, he said uh, he doesn't have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> Great, I'm, I'm going to miss Jay Cutler. A great, a great answer. He just says he doesn't have a choice at this point. The most nonchalant signal caller in our lifetime. Again, we kill guys. But that's uh, honest. They it's give honest. answers. No. And there's the honest answer. I know John Fox doesn't believe in me. He was totally prepared to, to stick with the, the ultimate C-plus quarterback, Brian Hoyer. And uh, now he has to go back to me. And he doesn't have a choice. There's a report from the Chicago Tribune on Thursday that John Fox had told his friends he was, quote, done with Jay Cutler. <laughs> And now he's got to go back to him. It's ve- there are parallels in New York with the Jets and Ryan Fitzpatrick. It just creates an awkward situation. So the Vikings, this is, it seems uh, they're on the road, but no one gets scared playing at Soldier Field. Uh, uh, it seems like a perfect uh, situation, Mark, for the Vikings to get healthy, uh, get back in the wind calm, and continue cruising. It does. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I was concerned watching that Eagles game. You know, I just talked about the Eagles side of it before, but – the Vikings have legitimate issues on their offensive line, as you guys mentioned on Sunday night, and so that exposes them to any active pass rush, and the, and the Bears don't have the worst defense in the league. They are able to get to the quarterback. Pernell McPhee came back last week, too. There you go. So that's trouble, and I think that's – you know, listen, it is a one-dimensional offense where you cannot – 
can count on the ground game to get you out of a jam. And up through their early win streak, it was Sam Bradford connecting with fill-in-the-blank downfield and doing it beautifully. That crumbled against the Eagles. And so I don't see that duplicating itself against the Bears. But we talked about the team of ATL. They go 5-0. and They weren't going to go 7-0 and after that. They were going to have their struggles. And they are not the best team in the NFC. I don't think that they are. I don't think that's the claim. But they're going to have some ups and downs based on some very evident weaknesses. I don't think that they uh, – I think they'll get healthy against Chicago. Here's here. one right here because, Wes, you pointed it out with the Texans and we right, rightfully chuckled at, at the thought. But uh, the Texans have less uh, touchdowns this year uh, than Melvin Gordon. Well, guess who has the same amount of offensive touchdowns as Melvin Gordon? The Vikings. They only have 10 all season. So this offense is a very real concern. Are they going to be able to score enough points to win enough games? That is a concern, and you would think Mark mentioned they can't count on the running game. They've been using Cordero Patterson as a wild card around the line of scrimmage. He's in concussion protocol. I don't well, think you he's going to have that. It shouldn't be a big deal against the Bears, but this this tackle situation is not going away. It's been there the whole season. I mean, they, their defense played fine against Philadelphia. The defense gave up played 10 points. Better than fine. Right. It forced three turnovers. They're going to be fine. The defense is going to win them games enough this week, each week. But Schwartz really blitzed them like crazy, and they had no answers for that. And you would expect the Bears and just about every team to do that. It was, in, it was insane how much Bradford was under pressure. In it game. bothers me when, as you read last week, Wes, that the general manager says, I'm not trading any more draft picks. I'm not going to trade for Joe Thomas, which, by the way, if you got Joe Thomas into this situation, and let's say you give up a second-round pick, will you ever use – will a second-round pick for this Vikings team – ever be Joe Thomas. No, it will not. I would gamble to say you're never going to find Joe Thomas in the second round. This is a team with its window open right now. Why now have you stopped being aggressive and going after the players to get you out of this? A second round pick two years from now is what you could give up. There is a very good reason. And it's a boring reason, but they don't have salary cap space. Well, that's... That's a bigger issue, and I that part stops them from doing it. But then don't sell it as I'm not trading draft picks because this is a team that saved its season by not just going with Sean Hill out of the gate. The, and so you can't go halfway. You have an obvious weakness. There, I think the Vikings will be okay. I think their schedule is pretty favorable when you look at it. Yeah, but fine. there are some things trending against them. There is the issue with the pass, uh, pa- uh, uh, protecting the quarterback. They're averaging 2.6 yards per carry uh, right now, which is outrageous. For last, the season? Yeah, last in the league. <laughs> And uh, average yards after contact, less than one yard this season. And when you – no running game, and the if defense is going to start getting after Sam Bradford, and there's going to be some offensive line issues, you're putting too much on Sam Bradford's plate, and you're going to get in trouble. Yeah, because you're what's happening watching them is they are running in very obvious run situations, and they are forced to pass in very obvious passing situations because there's no – Diversity. You can't sneak up on that on any team with your run game, and so te- maybe you know they're easier to plan against than we would like at this point. Well, they're they're down twenty-one to three against the Eagles, and they can't even try to throw the ball down the field because you can't protect them. They're just dinking and dunking when they're when they're way behind. They're not an offensive team. We know that they're going to win games, defense and special. They teams. do have a good coaching staff, though, yeah. and maybe yeah, they can cock something for this game. This is a good good matchup for them to get healthy. Uh, we'll see if they can figure out the rest of their problems. All right, that's it. That is the pre view of week eight uh, the next time you hear from us we will be recapping all the games that we just previewed that's how this works uh so thank you to everyone for listening uh we appreciate you uh 
both sides of the Atlantic. That's how this works for another 12, 13 weeks until New England wins the Super Bowl. That's where we are. Just pretend that's not going to happen. And Spend- both sides of the Pacific. Right. Mm. Both sides of the Pacific as well. Uh, just Asia listeners. Dis- just disbelief. a shout out to all the Asia listeners. The Asians? We don't shout Big out shout to out. them enough. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Let everyone in the world. And if we had the rights, we would play a Michael Jackson world healing late period uh, song right now. Heal the world maybe uh, jumps to mind immediately. Uh, but you know, And the three intergalactic <laughs> listeners. Those people in space. Eurasia, Oceania, all these regions. So many places. Okay. Well, we got to get out of here. This Pangea. is Dan Manzis signing off for the Quiet Storm. Welcome back, buddy. Uh, the mailman, the boss, and La Seed behind the glass. Till Sunday. I'm on NFL Network. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.